Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Got a special episode this week. I talked with as many drivers as we could during Tuesday's preseason media tour. Their schedules often were tight, so we took whatever time was available, and that usually ranged somewhere between 5 to 10 minutes. The topics were wide-ranging as well, so let's get to it. In this episode, we have Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Denny Hamlin. There will be another episode, possibly two, of conversations with more cup drivers as they get ready for the 2018 season. But we will get things started with Kevin Harvick, who was getting over the flu Tuesday, but said he felt much better than he sounded and had much to offer about what will be new personally and professionally for him this season. Okay, so after listening to your interview with Rutledge Wood there, I think I know the answer to this, but you, you said you're somebody who needs challenges in your life. You mm-hmm. said that in the past. Does having a second child fit the bill? It sounds like it has so far. Yeah, and you know the unique part about challenges and changes is the fact that it makes you look at, it makes you change, and it makes you <laughs> not only change the the situation that you're in, but it affects so many other situations that it, it should make you uh, make those things better as well. So um, it's just that I, I look at it as as a constant evolution, and I think that's one thing that's important in our garage is. You know, not being stuck to what you did last year or not being stuck to what you did five years ago, uh, keeping that in a thought process, but also changing the process of how you think about it. So that, to me, applies in, in really every situation. And so, you know, at home, it's, it's uh, you know, it's been about Piper and her coming into our life, but it's also been about, okay, we have to change this, this, and this. And it just, that list continues to get deeper as as you allow yourself to dive into things and, and let those things change instead of just being, okay, this is the way we've done it. Well, it'd be easier to do it this way and, and let it evolve. What's the biggest thing you've had to change? Um, I guess, you know, I think we've just, we've really had to look at just, um, you know, how things were going to flow at home. And, and, you know, I think that the biggest thing from a professional side of things is, is when you were going to travel, how you're going to travel, who were they going to travel, where are they going to travel to. Um, so, you know, that, that's really been the, the main focus in the first six weeks is to, is to try to make sure that you have that flow of life working at home so that 
when I leave, Delano's comfortable with Keelan and Piper and um, using the resources that we have around us to uh, help through the situation and, and her allowing and, and me allowing those things to change and evolve to, to help us through the situation. So you still have to have a focus on, on Keelan and, and uh, keep him doing and accustomed to the things that he's done and also, you know, raise a, a, a new little one over there, you know, without him being jealous and, and doing all those things like he did the first two weeks. So, uh, but you know, a lot of that is the approach of, of how you parent as well too. And that was, that was a challenge for Delane and I in the first couple of weeks to say, okay, we can't do this this way. Let's, let's yeah. talk about this. And, and that's how you, that's how you progress. So Keelan's ready to play. He's wondering why the, yeah, he, he's the having, a, he's having a hard time figuring out that, that she's not going to be able to run around and play with him for four or five years. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for me, you know, that's, that's what we do. And there's, he wants to run and play and, and roughhouse and do all the things that he's done. So uh, that's what we do. So you, you mentioned, Kevin, that you, f- you feel like change is, is good. What do you feel like the team needs to change? After making the championship round last year, are, are there things that, that need to change very much at Stuart Well, or? sometimes they're not self-inflicted change. Sometimes they're just you're just you're forced to change because the sport changes. You know, when you look at the pit crew and and uh, those changes there, those are huge changes and and how things are going to flow on pit road and the way that you practice and the things that happen. You know, the way that NASCAR is uh, going to use the uh, Hawkeye system to measure the bodies is you know changes everything on on how you build the cars and and the things that you do with the cars. Um, so, you know, you have some issues that you have to work forward forward with uh, from a balance side of things, um, you know, in the Fords that, that we had to work through last year. So, you know, the, the unique part for us is we don't have to figure out how to get the engines in the car. We don't have to redo the, um, you know, all the steering components to, to make the engine fit. You know, there's just a lot of things that, that are functioning and working uh, from from that standpoint within the company that we've got a year under our belts. But you're still going to have – there's still just a ton of change. Uh, you know, we've hired and some different crew chiefs uh, throughout the four teams. Tony Gibson is probably the part that I'm the most excited about just because there's a big gap between uh, the crew chiefs and Zippy because of the fact that, you know, there's so many uh, – I call them politics um, – the politics of the of the sport that wind up in meetings and 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 Tony uh, being down on the floor and doing the things that he's doing in between Zippy and the crew chiefs just allows those things to happen faster and get delivered faster and 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 um, communicated better and I think that that is a that is a really big key to the things that we've changed. So we've we've changed a lot as a company. You never know how they're all going to line up. Uh, until you get on the racetrack, and, and that's what will happen when we get to the West Coast swing. We'll get done with that, and then we'll figure out what we need to work on and go from there. The Hawkeye system I keep hearing so much about, we're going to see inspection lines. I know the process should be should be shorter, but will we see teams going through a lot more? And Yeah, they, I don't, I don't really know that answer. Yeah. You know, I think um, I, I do know that, it, that the Hawkeye system has been open at NASCAR, and the teams have, have been utilizing it over there, and most all of us are, are going to have one in our shop. So... You know, I think as as you have that system in your shop, you should be able to get to the racetrack. I think that, you know, the, the part that, that is, is the most unique in this whole situation is what happens after the cars go on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. And how do you get your, you know, if it hits the hits the racetrack and pushes the nose up and, and then it doesn't fit in the front, what do you have to do to fix it? Um, you know, or if the rockers, uh, the side skirts hit the ground and it pushes the door up, and or you have a you know an incident where you scrub the wall in practice. Those are all the things that we don't know, mm-hmm. and we don't know how much the car is going to move when it gets hot or cold. There's just a there's a few variables in there that we can't really 
predict until we get to the racetrack and, and see how it all works. But there's, you know, there's definitely going to be some, some chaos that comes with it because it's different. Hmm. Um, but I really truly believe listening to everything that by the time it all gets said and done, I don't think we'll have the, you know, the uncertainty of the car not being measured consistently like we had with the old LIS machine and the things that, that happened there. So I think it'll be better. It seems like it's going to be better, but they're from a team standpoint and from NASCAR standpoint, lots of things to work through, but the light at the end of the tunnel is much brighter than it was before on the inspection side of things. NASCAR has indicated that post-race will be a little more streamlined. They won't be. Yeah, I was hoping that we hear all that this week as to, as to, as to how that would work. And, and I think, you know, in the beginning, I think you'll see cars being taken back to see not really to be relevant of, of whether you won or lost the race or you're going to get a fine, but just, you know, if, if something's happening, uh, something's moving, something's not like it was before the race and, and to start saying, okay, this, this can't happen. And, and then as it continues to happen, then, um, then you get, then you get in trouble. So, um, I liked how they took the cars and took everybody away from them after the races last year. I think that, that helped eliminate a lot of problems. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I think as as you see the communication between the teams and NASCAR continue to uh, evolve and grow, I think that can only be good for the sport. And I think that the Hawkeye system is a is a good example of that. And I think as you see that, it'll be able to hold to a tighter tolerance. Hopefully, as as we go uh, through the process, like everybody's asked for. Brad expressed some concern after Miami about that Ford didn't have a new body this year. Obviously, Chevy's got the new Camaro. Toyota had the new Camry last year. Where do you stand on that? Do you feel like you guys can keep? I feel like I feel like those are um, individual concerns. You know, I think we have a we have we have a concern of the balance of our car, just the same way that we did last year. That we may have to work through. That may take some time. Um, I believe that you can take anything and 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 try to and figure out how to make it into something that's competitive, like we like we did last year. Um, you know, the, the Toyotas ran good. Uh, Chevy's got a new car. You never know where that that's going to fall for them. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to build those excuses into, into something that we haven't even gotten to the season. And I mean, there, there will be some balance issues that we have to work through, but we worked through them last year. Hendrick Motorsports has made some major structural changes to its four teams for 2018. And in a short visit, Jimmy Johnson ran through the how and why behind those changes. I saw a recent interview, Jimmy, with Chad, in which he said that rededicating yourself was going to be a big part of the 2018 season. I think not just for you, but for him and the team in general. What what does that mean? What does the 48 team need to do to rededicate yourselves? You know, we, we have, uh, you know, every, first of all, every off season, <clears throat> I, I really look hard at what I did during the course of the year, what worked, what didn't work, um, and just try to find ways to get better, you know, mm-hmm. what, what I can do. Um, so, so this off season is a lot like many other off seasons and, you know, I can reflect back to when I decided to get in shape and be fit and completely changed my days, my weeks and, and how I got ready for races. So, you know, I, I'm going through that once again and I just feel that, um, an area I haven't fully exploited is just my, my involvement in the energy and the, um, atmosphere within our race team. You know, I'm around, I'm there, uh, definitely know my role as the driver, but I just feel like I can do more. And when I watch, you know, other pro sports or college sports, you just see a locker room environment that, uh, you know, looks very interesting and, and amazing. And that's, that's something that I feel that, that I can help lead and orchestrate within the 48 at Hendrick Motorsports. 
And then you look at the transition and what's going on at Hendrick. I mean, everywhere we look, there's change. So, you know, rededicating is a big word, but at the end of the day, our, our systems are changing and the way we go about doing our jobs from Chad's standpoint, mine, it's, it's a bit different now, you know, internally, our organizational charts changing, Jeff Andrews, Brian Weitzel, Alva Colon's in there now, um, the crew chiefs and where they reside, how they work together. Our two shops are now one, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the process is just a lot different. So the way we've known it, we're all trying to kind of pull those layers back and be like, let's start over. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a great new starting point and let's figure out you know, what the new normal is and how to make this work. Because traditionally for like a decade plus, it was two two car teams essentially connected as one. Very much so. Why did you decide to go in a different direction? You know, just from an efficiency standpoint, um, and then also trying to get all of the smartest people in a huddle on any given, um, you know, part of the car or area within the car, car build together. Um, You know, what's been tough for us is we've had so much success with four, Four teams sharing data, but really, you know, there was the Chad Canals team and the Greg Ives team and Alan and, and Keith. Databases there, we share notes, we do all that stuff, but all four cars are coming to the track a little different. Some, you know, especially from the 4888 shop to the other shop, they're pretty big differences. Um, why don't we have all these smart people in one room think tanking ideas mm-hmm. from crew chief standpoint, engineering, brakes and transmissions, um, aero, like down the entire line. So, so that's really what we're doing. It's, it's kind of, a, it's, we're think tanking more um, and then being more efficient, I think. And in today's world with sponsorship dollars where it is and all that kind of stuff, it's smart to be, we just have to be more efficient and do mm-hmm. it differently. Are you still going to be in Charlotte or are you going to stay in Aspen? No, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm in Charlotte. You yep. are? Okay. Yep. All so right. we, we've been traveling just as much this winter as, as I did last winter, uh, but we've just kind of split our time a little bit more in New York and Colorado. All right. Snow hasn't been great in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all the better yeah. reason to be in Charlotte. Then. Exactly. I thought Kyle Bush had a good offseason on Twitter between disarming the haters and posting a video of an elaborate lip-syncing skit with his wife, Samantha. So we started there, and then we moved on to him moving on from last season. First of all, I, th- I thought you were the, the, the best offseason follow in Twitter. And I was? Yeah. I didn't even do anything. Well, you had the, I, I beg to differ. The, the okay. lip-sync battle. I wanted to ask you about battle. it. Okay, lip-sync battle. Got it. <laughs> you and your wife, yeah. Samantha, got in a Camry at Joe Gibbs Racing, mm-hmm. I believe, and yes. did several songs and costume changes. Uh, tell me about that. It was uh, it was about five hours of filming doing all that. <laughs> it looked like it. Yeah, it took a little while, but um, it was good. It was fun. Uh, it was something for the JGR Christmas party. How long did you and Samantha practice? With those songs? Uh, we didn't practice anything. Really? They uh, they literally all they did was they sent us a list of songs that that uh, that we wanted to do, and then we kind of sent them a list of songs that we wanted to do. And uh, about 85% of those songs got X-Nade because they were a little dirty. So uh, remember, we had to keep it clean for a company-wide Christmas party. I guess. Yeah. And so uh, like Eminem, Slim Shady didn't quite make the cut. But, um, you know, we did, we did a, lot of, uh, a lot of cool songs. Is that something that Samantha kind of encourages you to do? It seems like you guys do goofy stuff like this a lot with like the, the Christmas sweater stuff and, mm-hmm. and other kind of silly things on Twitter. I mean, I'm, I'm already enough of an idiot on my own where I don't need any help. So, um, we can, we can do a good job of that. So she, uh, she enjoys to, uh, to do some fun things. I enjoyed to do some fun things. So it was, it was good. On social media, I saw you use the phrase moving on a a few times during the off season when dealing with some haters. I know I've heard you use that phrase before in interviews. Mm -hmm. When you look back at 2017, is that, are you moving on from, from last year? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you have to, right? You kind of got to move on. So I think for me, the um, we're talking like homestead type thing. Yeah, or in yeah, general. Yeah, so for yeah. me, like homestead, like I, I haven't even gone back and, and watched the film. Like I never, I haven't even rewatched the race. So I don't care, don't need to see it. Um, I'll probably watch it the week leading up to the homestead race this year and that's it you know so i don't want to know uh i don't want to know what all happened but i have some pieces of information about what did happen so i'll uh i'll let that be i'm moving on so safe to say that was a pretty painful result obviously it it was i mean we, you know the the guy that the guy that was the championship guy the dominant guy all year long deserved it he won it um but in a day in which it comes in this day and age when it comes down to one race and you can be better in that one race look at martin truex can win 35 races and in that 36th race he can finish second to somebody and that guy can be the champion and and we were trying to do that and be the champion and uh and and we didn't we didn't succeed so um it's kind of tough when you're there three years in a row and you feel like you're a guy that coulda, shoulda, woulda won it three years in a row, mm-hmm. and you don't. You know, you're you're obviously uh, feeling like a failure and a letdown, and uh, not just for yourself, but for your team and your organization and everybody that's around you. So it's uh, it's definitely a disappointing loss. I believe you were the first guy to make it three years in a row to the final mm-hmm. the championship for the but no real solace in that no because no, i said it before i think it was pockers that asked me he goes you know you're you're going to be the first one that's made it three years in a row does that is that cool is that good i'm like yeah great okay it's good but it doesn't mean anything to just be there it doesn't mean anything to be in the final four it means everything to win it right so you want to win it so you know we've only won it 30 percent of the time and being there so that kind of sucks did Tumstead kind of exemplify the way 2017 went where you guys were so close so many times and it would just be one thing or another would kind of keep you from I don't know how many wins you, you probably would have had yeah yeah uh, a little bit of that certainly you know you can look at tw- you can look at the homestead race as kind of being a 2017 season in review if you will for us and, and being right there and being close and you know I was faster than Truex and I ran him down and I got there and I caught him and then when I did get there he ended up he stepped it up and he picked it up to the speed that I was able to run and and I couldn't go any faster than what I was already going and so I I couldn't get by him just with the deficiencies of air and everything else so um you know that's that's kind of where we lost it but that's that's what our season looked like this year you guys came out of the box a little bit slower last year I presume because of the Camry do you feel like 2018 you guys come in hit the ground running as as an organization Toyota as a whole I would like to think that we can come out of the box a little bit better than we did last year with uh, with the speed that we carried through the end of the season and with the things that we did uh, to, to find some of that speed to get better. Uh, a lot of guys, obviously, and a lot of teams have worked really hard over the offseason, I'm sure, especially with the Chevrolet Camaro now. It's going to be a new car coming out. Uh, the Ford guys, I'm sure, having to go back to work and kind of work on things. They, I feel like they actually have the strongest engine department right now. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where everybody kind of stacks up, but we won't know that until – you know, Atlanta and then going through the West Coast swing, kind of seeing where all that is. Chase Elliott is the only driver to have tested a new Chevrolet Camaro. So we began with what he learned during that test at Texas Motor Speedway and also touched on his new number and his appreciation of New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. Okay, Chase. So you are the only guy who has been in the Camaro so far on track. So what did you find out in Texas? Um, I find out that you don't want to leave the bottom in turn four. <laughs> okay. Did you um, scrape the wall? I did. Oh. I did, yeah. So um, don't do that. Um, <laughs> so not a good plan there. But, no, uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a pretty good test uh, other than that and, and felt like that 
we have a, a good starting point, I hope. I, I don't know that running out there by yourself is the all-around answer to knowing exactly how we're going to stack up. You know, test sessions test sessions are weird. You can go, and, and a lot of times the fastest guy at the test isn't always the fastest when you come back to the racetrack. And it seems like the better we test, the worse we run when we come back. So we, we had a mediocre test. It wasn't our worst test, but it wasn't our best test. But you can't really judge those for, for how it's going to be. So I think once we kind of get on track and we see in general how the Chevys run, uh, we'll know as a whole whether we are all better or the same or worse once we get going. I mean, the general anticipation here is that the downforce levels are much better. Is that uh, is that the impression you got? Right? Is it too early to tell? It, or? it is too early to tell. And, yeah. and the inspection process, I think, is changing the game for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how it impacts all the people that, that are involved. And, uh, you know, not just the Chevys, but the other manufacturers as well. It's going to affect all of us. So I'm curious to see who it affects more, who it affects less. And, and if, uh, you know, everybody was as prepared as we hope we, hope we are for, for that. Um, so my general opinion is that it's just going to make the cars closer together, um, even closer than they already are, which is... Um, it's kind of unbelievable. It, it is kind <laughs> of, uh, which is going to make it tougher, you know, to pass and to have an advantage, which is going to put more emphasis on pit stops, restarts, and, and all the small things that already matter a lot are going to matter that much more. The refrain I keep hearing is about the Hawkeye system and how it's going to affect things. Mm-hmm. So it, do you sense that's what teams are heavily trying I to do. figure out right now? I yeah. do. Any guesses on uh, what it'll be like? Or? I mean, the, the windows that you're working in are, are so small, I don't really know, I don't really know how to get around that one, but. You know, I think there's uh, very smart people that will uh, will probably figure a way to, to, you know, try to cut corners as much as you can to try to find an advantage. Otherwise, we're all just going to be driving the same thing, which is right. going to make it difficult to move forward or, or back. The number nine, I saw you say somewhere recently, I think that's always been your favorite number for obvious reasons. Your dad obviously made that number fairly famous. Are you a superstitious person? Do you think just the number change can remove the the hex or whatever you might have had on you when you missed those wins the last couple of years i don't I, i'm not really uh not really a superstitious person because if you if you were then if you did everything right you know in your mind you do all the right things that that you do and you get in a routine if that were the case and you just win every week right um so no I'm, I'm not a superstitious person i can't see the outside of the car from where i sit but it is a, a great opportunity i love the number it's the number Again, like I like I said the other day, it's been my favorite number for forever. So, yeah, um, it's a great fit. It's uh, a number I have a lot of history with, so I'm excited. Are you already sensing the fan base's reaction to it? Is it? I, I think yeah. everything's been very positive. I mean, I think that I think really anybody that's followed me for any number of time, you know, any in any amount of years or throughout my career at all, knows that kind of that's the number I've always ran, and and I think that people kind of associate me with with the number. Mm-hmm. have a championship in it with in the Xfinity series and it just fits so it's um it's just kind of the right the right thing for me I think one more for you Super Bowl oriented I saw recently that you tweeted something about Belichick yeah that made me laugh something <laughs> the effect of it would be nice if more brains worked like this guy's you always been a Belichick man uh yes that guy is is a hoot to watch in, <laughs> in the media center honestly I, I I could not watch any any NFL games on Sundays and be okay if I just got to watch his <laughs> post-game media. It's it's really incredible, and aside from just how funny it is, he, he really is a, a super intelligent guy, and the way he you know goes about things, and you know his, the guy's head is where it should be. You know, people give him a hard time for 
the media asking stupid questions, but let's be honest, the media asked some stupid questions. So I just love the fact that he puts everybody in their place. The conversation with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. started after listening to Ricky and my colleague Rutledge Wood discuss a new car that Ricky owns that happens to be the fastest production car ever made by Ford. So what kind of car is this? It's a GT what? Uh, Ford GT. The Ford GT. So the okay. cars that Ganassi races on uh-huh. the road course, um, they made the production of that. There was like 12 people that knew that this car was being made in the dungeon well, at Ford. The, the dungeon in Dearborn? Oh, yeah. So you're one of how many people on this? Uh, I think right now there's like 700. I know only like 60 got delivered in 17, and they were supposed to be like 250. Yeah, nice. they were a little behind on production. Nice. So have you become more of a car enthusiast since driving for Jack Roush? Or is this uh, kind of thing for you? Yes and no. I think, you know, Jack, God, he has so many cars. It's fun to go up to his little museum in uh, Michigan and kind of walk through and look at all of it. But, you know, I'm more of a truck kind of guy. Yeah. I like older trucks and things like that. Brand new cars, I'm not always excited about but the gto was you can sit and watch an auction if oh yeah for yeah, two and a half million yeah bucks and watch. you'll be like oh yeah this is cool yeah i'll watch i yeah. just don't purchase as much <laughs> you're smart with your money <laughs> you sound like a man who's ready for the season to begin yeah i am <laughs> uh i kind of i kind of didn't want the season to end uh we had you know four races in a row that were you know i felt like pretty good and end of the season, you know, running a little more competitive on the mile and a half tracks than, than we had throughout the middle part of the season. And so I was like, God, I don't, I don't really want this to end. So, you know, this off season running DeCoin, running Chili Bowl, I wish I'd have gone to New Zealand and ran some, you know, cause once you start racing midgets, you're like, ah, oh, I want to keep running them. But now I'm ready to get to Daytona. Cause I feel, I just feel a little more confident going to you know, Daytona with, um, you know, a couple speedway wins under our belt last year, really feeling like we do have a shot at winning the 500 because hmm. I've never really thought about winning the 500. I've always been like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to get a good start to the year and try to get a good finish and, you know, get good points. And, but until I won a speedway race, I never really thought about winning speedway races just because I didn't ever feel like I was in a position to. Sure. You win two of four. That's going to make you feel good about Makes you feel a little Daytona. more confident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so yeah. now we want to win Daytona. And that's yeah. our number one priority until we're done with Daytona. When I talked to you last year, Ricky, it was right um, before Dover, we sat down for the podcast. And you were saying that when the playoffs started, you guys weren't quite where you needed to be. Oh, yeah. You didn't realize it until that first practice in Chicago, and then it was like, oh, my God, mile-and-a-half tracks were still not where we yeah. got to be. Going into 2018, how do you play catch-up? How do you, how do you get to that point? Or do you feel like you, you will get to that point? Well, I think we will get to that point. I think it's not going to be right off the bat. But I do think that, you know, from when I talked to you to, you know, talking to you now, uh, we made headway in mm-hmm. the playoffs, uh, you know. Homestead was good. Texas was good. Um, so I do feel like we made some headway on the mile and a half tracks from Chicago, um, yeah. which was a bummer. I wish we'd have, you know, started the playoffs a little stronger than that. But you know, I, I did like the gains that we made uh, before the end of the season. So we, you know, kind of capitalize on that. Keep working on that. Uh, those things that we worked on. Uh, and we've and we've got some more stuff that we're going to take to the Vegas test um, at the end of January to try. And hopefully, you know, I know some good cars are going to be there. I don't know which 
all, all what cars are going to be there. I know Kyle will be there with the with the forty two car, and it's always obviously a good judge, um, you know, to see kind of where we stack up because we've done some all season testing before and and not really been as close as we want. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to that Chicago test and we thought we were maybe semi close, but not as not where we wanted to be. And then we showed up and, and we were way off. So uh, it'll be a good gauge uh, maybe at Vegas to kind of see the things that we've worked on, the new cars that we've, that we're building, how they drive, how they stack up on speed. Persistent question for Ford drivers this year, since Brad at Miami <laughs> obviously put it out there that, Hey, Ford doesn't have a new body this year. Yeah. Chevy does in the Camaro Toyota had one last year with the Camry. Where do you think Ford stacks up for 2018? You know, I try not to look at it as, you know, Oh, we're at a big disadvantage. You know, we don't have a new body. Um, you know, I do think that the Toyotas got faster, um, throughout the season last year mm-hmm. after they, you know, kind of worked on their bodies and kind of figured out what they needed. Uh, you know, I think Chevrolet will, will probably be pretty fast with their Camaro, but you know, I think the Hawkeye system could change a little bit of that. I think, you know, they build cars and we all build cars to manipulate the system, right? So when you're designing a car uh, like Toyota and Chevrolet, when you're designing it around one um, inspection process and then it's a little bit different when they bring the Hawkeye system out, who knows? It might be a little more level playing field than what we think. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but <laughs> you're not the um, first person to say this. This Hawkeye thing's becoming a yeah. I mean it. I mean I, I've gone over with my team uh, at the beginning of this off season, and we took a car to NASCAR and rolled it in the the Hawkeye system and kind of played around with it to see what the whole process was, and it's uh it's interesting. You know, it's a laser system that's basically like the LIS. You either pass or fail, so it'll be interesting to see how many cars either pass or fail, like you know, like that. Do you turn thirty this year? No, I did. You, last did, you year. just did Ooh, last year. Yeah. And you were talking about how like you were on the you felt like you were on the other side <laughs> when somebody asked you about the youthful driver yeah. wave. Yeah. Uh, obviously young drivers are gonna be like the the overarching storyline this year. Where do you fit into that? I mean, you're in your sixth season in Cup, but you're not I wouldn't consider you like the grizzled veteran at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't I mean. feel old or like a veteran <laughs> yet. You know, it'll definitely be interesting to see a lot of the, you know, kids that have ran Xfinity over the past few years. Um, you know, one of the things I enjoyed when I ran Xfinity was being able to race with the cup guys that came down to race. Yeah. And I think, you know, I had, you know, some respect from the cup guys that, that ran like the Harvick, Keselowski, Kyle Busch, you know, Carl uh, Logano and those guys that would come down and race with us. But uh, for me, I haven't been able to go run with those kids, so I, I have no clue, uh, you know, some of their tendencies other than just watching on uh, on on the TV. So it'll be fun to, to race with some new people. It's been a quiet offseason for Denny Hamlin, who talked about adjusting to having another child at home and how much things have changed for him and NASCAR in 2018. Actually, I got some questions from the offseason. Did the Hoop Group just have its tournament last well, week? Yeah, well, we can. Yeah, we concluded our regular season. Austin Dillon's team won the championship, which really stinks because all he does is brag about it. <laughs> so and we have a new season coming up, though, and and right after the West Coast swing or whatever you want to call it, uh, we'll start our next season. But our draft's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. So that's where the season made a loss. Was this Austin's first year? First year as a captain. As a captain? Okay. Yeah. So it made his head 
way bigger than it already is. <laughs> but I just heard you tell Rutt, like, he can play. And he good. can play. He is. He, he really can't play. Mainly because he's young, younger than everyone else, and can laterally move faster. I mean, he's still got his two original knees. I mean, I'm working with someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it a little bit more difficult when you have replacement tendons. Yeah. So the rest of your offseason, you were saying, though, pretty low-key with the addition yeah. in your house? Yeah. I really haven't done much. Uh, honestly, it's... I spent a lot of time at home. I've taken little one, two day trips here and there, uh, but nowhere for an extended period of time. So I just enjoyed it at home and, and spent the holidays actually in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, Taylor trying to teach her how to ski and whatnot. So it was, it, that was that part was fun. And having two kids, I heard you say, is like having 10. Yeah, it's way more work for <laughs> sure. Um, way more than I thought. I mean, because really when Taylor was really small, I mean, Jordan did so much and you know, I, for me, I mean, she didn't need me. She needed her for the first year. And so I, there was really not a whole lot of responsibility. I had, you know, some things, but now that there's two, it's just like, okay, well, you got to take one. I got to take one. So it's, uh, it's definitely different. Are you starting to look ahead to 2018 at all? Or is that something you don't do till speed weeks? I think when I get to the racetrack, the juices really start flowing, but I think it within a week or so, you start doing okay now you're back to doing your weekly homework your weekday work and and you're back to work so i mean this is far enough removed from daytona 500 week that uh i'm still not in race mode quite yet it seems like there's a lot of things that are different obviously different names i mean you lost a teammate and obviously dale jr is gone um danica running her last race at daytona there's a lot of a lot of change in the air it seems like denny compared to i guess this is your 13th season i don't know it's (laughs) yeah yeah, I think it's your 13th season. I mean, I, I'm yeah. just thinking about, you know, how things have changed since 2006 to now. I'm sure this is as A bad. lot. I mean, in the faces, you know, you look at posters and, and I signed, you know, uh, you know, the whole back when we had the chase, it was like those 10 drivers. And you look at them and it's like, wow, there's like two guys left. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's crazy to see how different the sport is, you know, both with the – with the drivers and just the makeup of it is, is so much different than what it used to be. So yeah, it's different. It'll be another year of big changes. And, um, you know, we're, I think we've, we've reached where a point though, where I think that you're going to see, you're not going to see many retirements for the next two to three years. I think we were in a big rush there with Tony and Jeff and all those guys. Um, but I think that, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have this group here for a while. I think. Like you and Kyle and Brad, obviously. Yeah, got many anywhere. years ahead of us. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, Kevin and Jimmy, as long as they keep, you know, performing at the level they're performing at, I don't think they'll be going anywhere either. So, how do you size up this season with so much fresh talent on the grid with so many, you know, the, the William Byrons of the world? Like, can you even, like, sort of handicap how things are going to well, look this I, year? I like it more and more for myself. I mean, I think that experience pays dividends in the playoffs. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you look at, you know, the guys in the Final Four, it was the older guys. I mean, it really was. I mean, it's just, whether it just happened to be that way or, or whatnot, you know, the young guys really perform well on a weekly basis, but it seems like the veterans are the ones that you got to battle for championships. And I think that will change now in the next year or two mm-hmm. when you have guys like Larson and Chase making the, the final four on a more regular basis. But, but for right now, Hey, I say bring in all the young guys because this is a great opportunity for us to, uh, to make to make some hay. NASCAR just said that they don't have anything planned in terms of big changes for this year. As a driver council member, a- anything that you see on the horizon this year that needs to be addressed, or is it sort of like a, a 
time of like status quo I, at this point. I think it's status quo is good. The only one thing that I'd love to see is the choose rule on restarts. I think really? that, that it's such a huge disadvantage at Martinsville, uh, Bristol, Michigan to be on you know the inside or outside. It, it's just such a huge disadvantage, and it's for no reason. It just happens to be where you come off pit road, mm-hmm. whether you get in the bad lane or the good lane. I think that you know, giving the drivers the option of that, I think is is would be a good change and maybe something we we should possibly look at. And we've been talking about it for over a year now, uh, but obviously no changes. You think it could happen this season? Awesome. I'd like to, but I, I think they're probably reluctant to change anything mid season. I mean, they kind of catch a lot of riff from people when they change major things like that. But okay. I don't see it as a major thing. Yeah. So. Last one, producer just asked me, Kemba. Should the Hornets keep him or trade him? They should trade him. Uh, not because of talent or anything like that, but he's got the only appealing contract we have on our roster. So you have to package him with someone with a bad contract, and so you have to take both. You have to, The only way you get better is to get worse or trade your assets, and we need to do both. It's a business. I agree. It is a business. I, yeah. I, just, I think you, you just got to bite the bullet. I mean – Everyone in lives in the city is sick of watching us battle for eighth in the East every single year as I am. Our thanks again to Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, and Kevin Harvick for stopping by the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Many thanks to their media representatives for helping bring them to us. And as well, thanks to producers Joel Maydak, Scott Keith, and Mark Trina for helping build in some time for the podcast during NBC's blocks in the media tour. NBC Sports has the Olympics next month, and it also has a new podcast as well called The Podium that will provide insider coverage of 17 days of competition in South Korea. The first episode is up and examines the how and why behind the 25 tropical countries competing in the Winter Olympics, exploring the influence of the movie Cool Runnings, which was about the Jamaican bobsled team, on a generation of tropical athletes competing in the Winter Games. You can subscribe to The Podium wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. We, of course, would ask you to do the same for the NASCAR and NBC podcast, which is also available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. And if you have any feedback, please send it to me on Twitter, at NateRyan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.